The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. He is Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb. Forgive our voices. We're all, you know, it's that time of year and we're all battling colds and uh, COVID and the flu, whatever. So forgive our voices, but we are still paying close attention to what's going on with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, Ali, last night you were in the Smoothie King Center uh, as the Pelicans snapped that two-game losing streak, uh, came back home, and beat a quality team in the Philadelphia 76ers, even though Joel Embiid did not play. I think the more important thing is, I'm one of those people that I think you're the same. We look at the season as 82 individual games. Each one of them is their own story. The last one is not this one. This one is not the next one. So in the terms of the Pelicans and the 76ers last night, what did you like about the way you saw the Pelicans play basketball? Yeah, two things stood out, especially initially. Coming off, right, two tough clutch time losses in Utah. You want to see the team respond at home where they previously had been playing really well, and they did that. The other thing, you wanted to see them attack the obvious game plan, right? No Joel Embiid. Nick Nurse went small to, with uh, his starting lineup. And so pound that lane, right? Get all your shots inside the lane, and the Pelicans did that as well. So from that standpoint, hats off, right? Good execution good game plan. And like I said, the requisite energy was there. And along with CJ McCollum being back, you saw all the things working, right? They raced out to a quick lead, 27 uh, to 11, I think eight minutes in. And they just kept kind of that foot on the gas. Despite, honestly, I thought the 76ers played a very feisty game. Couldn't hit a shot at first, but they stayed and played hard throughout. And that's where it led to problems, right? Down the stretch. Pelicans haven't figured out a way how to close strongly yet. And I, I feel like that was my probably my biggest takeaway. So while a lot of positives, when you combine it with those, like I said, two tough losses in Utah where you feel like they should have gotten one, and then to give away, what was it, 29-point lead at one point, down to 23 with about six minutes left, that got all the way down to eight, that was a serious problem because Willie had to go back to bring in the Valanciunas, C.J. McCollum, who was a minutes restriction. And as soon as C.J. entered, hit a couple of shots, and you saw what they were missing in Utah, right? Because it wasn't right. Zion and B.I., closing that game out it was cj right a guy who hasn't played in weeks so they've got to figure that stuff out yeah um you know obviously for most people their takeaway is zion Williamson having almost a perfect night um for both the floor and nice. free throw line yeah. 11 12 from the floor 11 12 from the free throw line uh free throws were a big problem for the pelicans in utah in a lot of their close losses this season the pelicans are one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the NBA. And last night, they go 30 of 34 from the line. That was tremendous. You know, people will focus on threes. People will focus on that in particular. But last night, the free throw line was huge. 30 of 34 is just something that they they, they have not done this season. No, there's one game that stands <laughs> out. The win over Detroit, where they went 33 of 35. And I looked it up after yesterday's game to make sure 
my memory was correct and, and it was but those instances have been way too far um seldom seen right so for a team that lives in the lane you know it's going to get to the free throw line uh more than most teams right you gotta convert right so i think they're like top 10 free throw attempts um but the free throw percentage david converting percentage yeah it's like bottom five last time i checked so mm-hmm. That's got to shape up. And even Willie mentioned that. I think after the second Utah loss, right, they've just got to make your free throws, right? And thankfully, last night they did. But it's got to become a trend, right? Can't be another one-game blip that it was like about a month ago. Hey, I mean, that, that second Utah game, as much as people want to talk about threes, it's a two-point loss. And they missed a ton of free throws. You just didn't make two more, and at least you're in position overtime. Three, and you win the game. So to me, it's it has it's it's primarily been the little things because even last night, they were out outshot statistically from the three point line. Philly made more and made them at a higher clip, but the Pelicans did the things as you talked about, playing inside out, getting to the free throw line. They owned the glass, dominated there, which they had to do with no uh, Embiid on the floor, and then I think the Pelicans did a good job. Um, you know, I think they could still do it better at t- not turning the ball over, but 33 assists to, all, to 20 turnovers, the assist numbers, again, getting back up. Yeah, there's so many positives. I, and, and I start with that win over the Dallas Mavericks here. So the offense has been much better, right? Suddenly it's not a problem to score over 110 points. as to where before they probably did it like twice in the first nine games. So that's up, right? The offense is now flowing better. And like you, I'm not going to look at the three-point attempts so much because when you don't have CJ, you don't have Trey, and now you're missing Matt Ryan too, I don't think I want this team shooting 35-40, right? We saw what happened in Utah. Herb and Dyson, I know in that first game, combined for about nine or ten attempts. I think they made two. You don't want to live out there with guys that, you know, are still a work in progress. So pounding the lane, getting the free throw line, getting the rebounds, which, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. The rebounding's been up. David, right? Since that Dallas game, they've become, again, a top 10 defensive rebounding team. Turnovers have been down. I know last night they had about 20, so that was a little bit askew from what they had been doing previously, but they've been checking a lot of boxes, right? So you're taking care of the ball, you're limiting opponents to one possession, uh, one shot per possession, and that ball movement, right? I thought last night, again, it was incredible, right? So Usually when you're integrating another major player, it takes some time for the whole unit to be in rhythm. That wasn't the case with CJ last night. And I didn't think it would be. I think the big incorporation is going to be when Trey comes back, right? It hasn't played any games. They're going to probably be fi- trying to figure out how to get him his shots coming off the bench. But that's we're going to save that conversation for another time. But problem, That's a good problem. Yeah, and it's you probably going to happen soon. So I, I, I do want to mention this. Just like how CJ announced on his podcast he was going to come back, how Jose announced on social media he was going to come back, Trey told us uh, about a week ago that he's going to do the same thing. So when he's going to play, we're going to find out on the day of on social media. And I'm fully expecting it probably to come – Next week? I would say next you know, week. I think there's a good chance we might see him on Saturday, right? Really? Yeah. I think Zion's going to play Friday, right, against the Spurs, and he hasn't played in the back-to-back. So – you know, it would behoove for everybody involved that Trey comes back in Chicago where he's going to have some minutes. He's going to have some extra shots without Zion. That would be a good game. And you want to get him one more game or at least one game in before, right? You go to Sacramento because I know this in-season tournament, I think it's kind of a big deal for this team. They kind of want to go in there and win it, right? They want to keep going, get to Vegas and stuff. We need, uh, you know, I think 
more so than most teams, the Pelicans need to experience winning. For them, it matters. If you're the Phoenix Suns, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're Sacramento, it, it kind of matters because again, you want to you want to instill winning. I think for those types of teams who are in the tournament at this stage, it matters. For the you know, like I think it matters for for certain teams for prestige, but for other teams, I think for the Pelicans, winning games is vital. And they need they have not put together more than a three-game stretch yet this season, right? I think I think three or four is the most they've won in a row this season so far. So yeah, it's been three. You know, so we, they need to start stacking some wins together. And this stretch, beating Philly, we didn't expect Embiid to not play. That was a last-minute scratch. So that's a steal of a win. You got to take that as a steal. Um, and, and now the schedule is about to get a little bit softer again in some ways. The Pelicans have to pick up some of these wins that they gave away earlier in the season. Yeah, I'm excited about the fact that they're going to have – sorry about that. I love these pop-up windows, right? (laughs) But, um, yeah, David, for the most part, they did an excellent job of beating teams they should, right, start the year, right? Took care of Memphis, who nobody knew they were going to be this bad, but they beat them in that opener. They beat Detroit, who's really fallen off the cliff, right, after two-on-one start, 15 straight losses. That's tough. But, again, they, they've gotten some other wins um, in there as well, right? Took advantage of the Knicks when they were on the second night of a back-to-back and took care of the Kings in that first game, throttling them when they were kind of tired coming in too. So I liked all that. So really it was these games against Utah where it was that first hiccups, right, to where, okay, you can maybe understand that first loss on a tough back-to-back, right? People always tell me, when you're going into Utah or Denver for a second night to back-to-back, it's so tough, especially when you're losing an hour. So when you're coming from the West Coast to the mountain time zone, right. yeah, it's just for some reason players don't have it for 48 minutes. So didn't lament that one, but it was that second game that bothered me. And then, of course, the six minutes last night. So you don't want that to become a trend. But to your point, yeah, the schedule. I mean, you look at the Spurs coming into town. Everybody wants to talk about them. Victor Wembanyama is exciting, but they're not a good team. You're following up with a Chicago Bulls team who feels like they're going to be broken up before the trade deadline, right? Zach Levine is definitely on a trade block. Their future is a big mess, but they're not a good team. And then, you know, you look down a little bit further, you've got the Wizards, you've got the Hornets, Spurs again, and Grizzlies. So to your point, David, this is the time where you can move up, right? And the Stangs, they need, need to take advantage of that because for the most part, now they're healthy, especially when you get trade. There's no more excuses with missing certain guys, right? So everything should be clicking. You should be able to do everything you want to because the talent is there. So I'm looking at get these two wins. You got to beat the Spurs for sure. And you should beat the Bulls, even though it's on a back-to-back. They're just, you know, they're flailing around right now. Mm-hmm. Then you've got one week, right? I think we need to talk about this. The in-season tournament, right? They play Monday against the Kings, but then pending the outcome, they're probably only going to play once in the following six days, right? So they're going to be able to rest their bodies up. So go all out this weekend, right, Friday, Saturday, because you're going to have time to rest your bodies up, and then you got some more easy games. So, yeah, I'm looking this as a big opportunity for this team. Before we move on from from last night's game uh, with a couple more questions, I do want to talk about CJ because we do need to to talk about his impact. Only 28 minutes, but shot the ball well. Um, Wasn't hesitant. Uh, Good with the basketball for, you know, again, five assists, only two turnovers. Rebounded the ball as well. Wasn't scared to initiate any, you know, action. Uh, And a blocked shot. Two steals as well. I think, you know, CJ... 
you you wrote about how important he was even while he was sidelined to the mental uh, toughness of this team. But having him on the court again, to have the adult, the guy who's going to settle things down, the guy who knows who needs to get the, the touches, uh, I think is is such uh, an important and invaluable asset for this team. Yeah, and, and that's why I was laughing when, you know, that starting lineup was rolling with Dyson Daniels instead of CJ, talking about, hey, Willie should make a change, right? We saw last night, yet again, why you can't do that. Yes, defensively, the team's not going to be as strong. But the point of the matter is, in the half-court offense, CJ is there to stabilize or be an outlet, right, for BI or Zion. You need to have that. You need to have that expertise. A guy who's been in so many previous experiences to where, you know, late-game situations and stuff, and he's excelled in them. And we saw it again last night. So that's vital. You're going to have games, David, and we know this, right, you and I. Clutch games, you're probably going to play about 40 or so every year. And that's where, honestly, your seasons are made. The one time, the Pel last time the Pelicans actually performed well knows, right? We remember this well. It's the last time um, Anthony Davis was on a team, and they had that nice playoff run back in 2018. Um, and I, if I remember right, they were one of the best teams in clutch minutes. So the number one in total wins that year, clutch yeah, wins. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so look, that, 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 that says everything you need to know. This NBA has gotten so heavy with talent that almost every team can win any given night, I feel. Right. We've seen the strides Houston's made in just a matter of one year. So the talent, every team's just about got it. So what, what's going to be the separators, right? One thing separating, of course, is just executing in-game knowledge down the stretch, winning the close ones. So CJ, he brings all that to the table. And I love seeing that not only, you know, he could basically pick up right from where he left off. And that's credit to him, right? He did all the work behind the scenes of staying in shape working out with the Birmingham squadron to kind of simulate, right? Getting in the game shape, getting into that flow, but also of course his body, right? I saw him and I watched him closely the first couple of minutes. He took some hard screens, some, and, and he wasn't afraid to drive, took some hard shots at the rim. And I asked him about it after the game, he kind of laughed it off, but he felt like he needed that too, right? As confirmation that, Hey, I am okay. My rib isn't going to bother me that all of a sudden, you know, the lung isn't going to collapse again. So that was really probably the best thing to come out of last night's game for me, that he looked healthy and stayed healthy, and they, they're going to be able to rely on him moving forward. Jose Alvarado did leave the game uh, with looked like re-aggravated his ankle uh, injury on a non-contact play. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to remember, too, CJ will not travel to Chicago. Mm -hmm. We know that. Uh, we're not sure about Sacramento yet. Right. I don't he's going to play. He told us last night he's going to play. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor said that's right at that window where we're going to allow you to fly. Okay, so that's Chicago game as you talked about earlier. If Zion is not playing in the back-to-back, -back, you really need Trey mm -hmm. at this point to come back uh, because you're going to be short CJ, probably Jose as well. Or if he does play, Jose only played nine minutes last night. Um, think you know that ankle if it's tender you know him being hounded by the likes of an Alex Caruso that ain't good for him you know what I mean like I, I think that they'd rather not have him go on an extended period again if this ankle is is really aggravated so you could be limited in the backcourt in that regard so it would be nice to have Trey um, to give you another offensive outlet yeah Jose gave everybody a scare right I was watching him closely and I felt like on that play he planted really hard with that right ankle 
and he tweaked something. That was my initial reaction. Seemed like everybody else in the gym on Twitter thought, hey, this might be an Achilles thing, right? And when I looked at the replay, I didn't see it, right? You, you know what That's to look like for. Achilles. He didn't hop. It wasn't that explosion like that, that at first Achilles, like the, the leg where the leg is pulling away from the muscle. It was much more of a, like, like when you see that close up, it, I don't see that the leg. It looks it looked like it just yeah, the players say It feels like you're getting shot, right? So all of a sudden mm -hmm. your first to jerk that knee up, that leg off the ground and act like you got shot. He didn't do that. He said he kind of fell forward to the ground. But yep. then I started thinking about Patrick Beverly rushing to his side. Then I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I didn't see correctly. But fortunately, Pelican said, uh, sprained ankle, might return, and he did. I was impressed that right before halftime, uh, or coming out of halftime, he was moving around well. He was working out with one of the trainers on the sidelines, doing some sprints, sliding, action, all this. So I don't know whether he'll be available for the next two games because, like you said, that happened during when he was still warm, right? His adrenaline was there. So what happens after 48 hours where you don't play? Does it seize up, right? So we'll see. And I feel like he hasn't been a world beater, right? But he's made some plays, some momentum plays, and he's really big spirit for this team, Dave. We both know, right? When he comes in, they look to him, and he seems to spur them on, even if he's not coming up right, with those steals, those made baskets. But, yeah, if Ho if they're down Jose too, and then say Larry's still sick, right? He missed the last game. Suddenly that's four key guys. So, yeah, if Trey can come back on Saturday, that would be a big, big deal, I think, for this team, because otherwise they're going to maybe be too shorthanded. And you hate to just you hate to lose games on the road against sub five hundred teams. That that just is 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 a very frustrating thing when it occurs. Ali, I wanted to ask you about this, and this is something that is a big point of contention amongst Pelicans fans. Um, the 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 policy still of holding Zion out of back to backs. Um, we I think our opinion, and you tell me if I if I'm getting yours wrong is that the belief is that I think Zion needs to play to get healthy, to get healthier, to get in shape. I understand the concern. I get it. We've been burned. We've all been burned. Zion's been burned. We, we, we understand the frustrations. My thought, though, is we'd much rather see the organization limit his minutes in a back-to-back. -back. If he feels fine, play him. Limit his minutes. And if you see some data that shows that he's not playing well, on those back-to-backs, then, then let's adjust again. But I think right now, the record shows that the Pelicans have a hard time adjusting when he's gone, and he has a hard time adjusting when he comes back. He's a rhythm player, and it seems to break his rhythm to take him out of that game. And the team's rhythm, right? They're yes. two and six in games he misses, and that first game coming back. They're eight and three in all other games. That's a big sign for me, right? So I've always thought that, and just like you, just like a lot of other people that cover this team, that the best way for Zion to get into shape is by playing. Playing every other day, every two days, you see his body, right? It looks the same to me. If not, maybe he's now a little bit heavier than he was in training camp. And that's a concern, right? So he needs, I think, just to play, to burn those calories, to get those muscles completely operating at 110%, because that's the only way he's going to get that weight down. So what do you do, David, if you keep going down this route, his body stays in sh the same shape, and you're still seeing those red flags, right? So you're the medical staff. I'd rather not play on a back-to-back. But what happens when it's a crucial game down the stretch? What happens if it's in the playoffs, right, playing tournament, whatever? You're going to need him, right? And you're going to need the team not to have suffer hiccups because of trying to incorporate him back in. I'm concerned about it because 
to me, I mean, he only played 33 minutes last night and he doesn't play a ton of minutes, but we've seen it. The lift isn't there. The explosion isn't there right around the rim. The, the other night in the loss to Utah, there was a reverse layup that, that Zion tried to make. And he had no lift trying to come up under the basket. It just, it looked like there was, it was just, what are you doing? And, and, and it, 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 he, he still is not himself. It's just clear. Even when he plays with energy. Last night, he had more bounce in his step, picked up steals, did those things. But it's still not the Zion that even last year, at the peak of what he was doing, when he still was not 100%, he's still not to that level yet. Yeah, there's some plays where you see it, right? You see Zion exploding quickly, getting up high, doing some stuff that only really Zion can do. But then there's other instances where he doesn't have it, right? To your point. And for me, there's a couple of things that stand out. His dexterity isn't the same. He's not as agile. He can't bend over and get to the ball in one motion and start sprinting up the court, dribbling the ball up the court. There's certain these plays where you saw it at Duke, you saw it in the first couple of years here, but you're, I haven't seen it yet this year. And so to me, that's one, he's operating at too high of a level, right? In terms of weight. And also it might be like kind of a conditioning thing, right? So he needs to acclimate both his body and his physical abilities to getting back to being that guy. Second thing you see, or I should say you don't see, is that second jump. Everybody always talk about that second jump, his offensive rebounding. You only see it now maybe, if you're lucky, one time, right, during a game, just once. In the past, it was like three or four times a game. So that, like I said, there's all these signs that say Zion's probably at 75 to 80% of himself physically. And then last thing, the numbers show it, right? We talked about, I think, David, at the start. But, yeah, it's still that trend is there. He's shooting the fewest amount of shots um, around zero to three feet, right, around the rim than he ever has previously in his career. 70% of his shots used to come around in that area. Now it's down to 50%. Now he has to shoot more from three to 10 feet. And, yeah, while you might think that's great, right, he's expanding his game, he's, he's adding a little bit more variety, when you watch him, that's not the case. He usually ends up settling from that distance because he can't get to the rim or because the last one a got natural blocked. Rhythm. So he, yeah, it so is not natural. Yeah, so he he he's not there yet. He's not that even last year's MVP guy. He's not there yet. Oh, and and I just think that they they need to look, it's this it's it's all or nothing this year. You know, not that they have to when you're talking about championship, but you have to know that's what this season is about finding out for sure what Mm -hmm. you have in either Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram and how they're going to deal with this team going forward. And to me, you need as many games with Zion as you possibly can. And if he's healthy and available, he should play. Yeah, it's easy. Look, I mean, you're right. There was rumors this past summer about wanting to go to Scoot Henderson. Fortunately, they didn't, right? Scoots look bad. I mean, I, it looks he's like a, he's not adjusting well. No, he's got a bad adjustment period coming up, like a long one, I mean. And who knows what he even comes out as, right? Finished product, because he can't shoot. He's oh. making bad decisions all over. But back to our point, Z and BI, they built this team around it, right? Griff, I think, started in earnest about three years ago. And I think he's done a great job. They've hit in the lottery, right? They've put in the requisite shooting. Most of the holes have been filled around those two. Now it's up to these yes. two guys. Right. So with B.I., I'm happy where he was this summer, where he was in training camp, first couple of games. He's kind of gotten back to being that B.I. we saw right in his peak last six weeks of last season, two years ago, that playoff run. 
I'm not worried about him as much, but Zion. Right, right quick, well, right quick. One of the indicators for me too that that we we talked about early in the year with Bi, he is no longer hesitant to shoot the three. Mm-hmm. He's shooting over like around four or five a game now, where you were lucky to get two out of the, maybe in the first two games, first ten games or so of the season. He he was maybe giving you two attempts. He's a lot more close to five over this last stretch. And then, and then just his assists have gone back up um, and his turnovers have come back down. So yeah, that, that has been a great indicator for him. Yeah, it has. Look, when a player isn't trusting something out there, that's bad when you're leading the team, right? So BI, he was passing up threes. He was intentionally trying to not shoot him. Kind of like the way Herb Jones was last year, Dyson. He honestly was trying to avoid him as much as he could. Now, like you said, he's back to being the guy that I'm going to be that three-level score, and that's what he needs to be because that's his potential. CJ's been his ear. His teammates have been his ear. you got to shoot those threes, and fortunately, he is when he's open, right? He's, he's confidently stepping in a lot of those shots, and I love to see it. But, again, this team's only going to go as far as both of those guys on the court, how they function. Why that second Utah Rock here on so much of the negatives – but again, this team's nine and eight, and I feel like they should be higher up, and they need to be, right? The West is that competitive. Look at what OKC's doing, what Minnesota's doing, right? Pelicans have that leap in them, and they've got to take it. But coming down a stretch of games, when you saw in that Utah game, last five minutes, Z and BI had one action together. I think it was one pick and roll. When you've been working on that for a month, I just didn't understand it. So those are the type of things I'm going to be looking for forward moving forward. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see you go to what you believe in, what you have to do to succeed in order to win those close games. And hopefully we'll see that. Absolutely. Um, Ali, thank you so much. Uh, you know, always, it's always a pleasure when we get to talk hoops together. Yeah. We don't get to see each other as much as we want to lately because we've both been, uh, you know, It's sick. been awful. It's been awful. Yeah. We've been more than it's... two weeks for both of us, man. <laughs> we, yeah, we saw each other at one game in the last couple of weeks. So um, it's just been kind of difficult with the, the way you've been feeling. But um I, I'm, I have fewer two-lane commitments coming up. I'll be back in the arena, of course. I'll be there on a Friday night as well uh, for this last game of this uh, quick homestand. Um, what, what do you have working on? Uh, any features that you really want to highlight? Yeah, two things. First, kind of what we've been talking about, this late-game situations. I mean, C.J. McComb said it best. He's like, the Pelicans could have four less losses because of one possession, right? And that's a big deal. Absolutely. So you look to what I was saying, right? executing well going to your strengths b-i-z together in action so i want to write about that and also highlight valentunas right it's high time we give a lot of flowers to Jonas. he's always been a pro's pro doing what he needs to do but this year he's really helping the team so i hope nobody really wants to see him traded unless it's for some incredible upgrade like a mitchell robinson which isn't going to happen a bam out of bio i think staying with Jonas probably makes the best sense because he's giving you everything right He's shooting career high from, I think, three. The block rate is at an all-time high. And there's a lot of other good indicators, too, that I'm going to get in the article. Oh, we said, we've been saying this for years. You protect these bigs mm-hmm. by giving them better perimeter defenders. Yeah. And the Pelicans are pr- better. They have been keeping the paint touches lower by the guards from opposing teams. Last year, it was a, a turnstile on the way to the paint. And for Jonas, and we and we asked uh, Willie Green about this after a game the other night, um, one of the home games last week. I, I asked him, I remember, you know, like, how much has this helped Jonas defensively? 
And he's like, it's been, you know, he doesn't have to run all over the floor now. And if you can, get, the whole thing is maximizing what players do. Jonas in 28 to 30 minutes is an elite center mm-hmm. in the NBA. It's those other 18 minutes that the Pelicans have struggled to fill, whether yes. it's been Jonas, Steven Adams, or Derek Favors. It's those other 18 minutes. It's not been those guys. It was the perimeter defense, and it's the backup position, having a quality backup. And with Larry Nance, hopefully he gets back quickly. But still, this is a small team behind Jonas. So his value right now is higher to me than it's been in his three years in New Orleans. Easily. Yes, David, easily. That's why I don't want to see them move on from him. That's why I think they should offer him an extension too, right? Because this is last year of his deal. You don't have a plan. Yeah. There's a and lack of play point, here. Remember how bad Steven Adams looked here defensively? I mean, look who was out there on the perimeter trying to stay in front of people, right? Eric Bledsoe, Bledsoe Ball. and an injured Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. They didn't have any kind of length that could defend players, right? That's why we're so excited about James Johnson, right? So, no, they've made those improvements. But, yeah, the backup center position. Larry Nance hasn't been healthy. I thought Cody Zeller was looking pretty good, but last night he was a little bit rough, right? He, We know That's he's not going to – yeah, he's not going to give you points. He's going to give you hustle. But again, I don't know what the solution is there, but David, I, they haven't found it yet, right? Either Larry needs to get healthy, Cody gets better incorporated, or they got to find a third option that's somewhere out on another team. Somewhere. Uh, but until then, like you said, it's about Zion and B.I. How, how they play is going to determine the heights that this team achieves. Ollie, thank you so much. We'll do this again sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, <laughs> since we're healthy again. Uh, but until the next time, thank you for, for watching. Uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you comment. Make sure you share. And uh, we'll be back soon. And in the words of our friend, Preston Ellis, let's go Pels.